2: Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, August 26th. Quite often I'm asked, what is your most memorable interview since you first started writing BOF? And it's obviously a very tough question as I've had the honor of interviewing so many fascinating guests, so many smart people, so many people who inspire me. Interviewing people is my favorite thing to do, even after all these years at the helm of BOF. Who else gets to spend time with some of the most talented people in the world, listen to their stories and struggles, and ask them for advice on how to succeed in life and work? But if I'm forced to choose, I usually come back to the interview I conducted with the legendary designer, Yoji Yamamoto, back in 2016. I've been thinking a lot about this interview recently, especially since the passing of another innovative Japanese designer, Issey Miyake, a few weeks ago. I've been reflecting on the lessons and advice that Yoji shared with me, and I thought now was a good moment to have another listen to Yoji, and for those of you who are more recent followers of the BOF podcast, to listen to Yoji's interview for the very first time. It's one of those conversations that really stands the test of time and you'll hear some extended pauses as yoji reflects before he responds which is a lesson in and of itself if you want to watch the video it's also available on the bof youtube channel so we'll drop a link in the episode notes and without further ado here's yoji yamamoto on the bof podcast yoji yamamoto is a fashion design legend Known for his mannish tailoring and a strictly monochromatic color palette, Yamamoto first hit the international fashion scene in 1981 when he brought his revolutionary design aesthetic to Paris from his native Japan, creating a fashion earthquake and quickly cultivating a global cult following. But while his high fashion approach speaks to the fashion forward, Yamamoto's Y3 collaboration with Adidas pioneered the idea of the fashion meets athletic wear collaboration creating an altogether new product category that reaches a much broader consumer base today in a rare interview to discuss his highs and lows and wisdom from a career spanning more than 40 years the business of fashion goes inside yoji yamamoto's fashion philosophy mr yamamoto thank you for taking the time to sit down with me it's a it's a very interesting moment in the fashion world at the moment and I think Mm. um, there's lots to discuss but I wanted to start um, a little bit earlier in your career actually and and learn a little bit about your decision or um, the idea of becoming a designer Uh. how how did you first become a fashion designer and you know why why was this the the kind of métier that you chose
3: I was born as the only son of a war widow. Okay. And then uh, about when I was, when I became five, six years old, my mother gave up that her husband don't come back. Okay. So uh she did a funeral party. Uh, with all the family, and I didn't understand what was going on, because uh, uh, I don't have any memory about my father, because he went to the world when I was a baby, one year and three months, so I have no memory about my father, so uh, in me, he doesn't exist, but my mother is doing something, some ceremony. And I started like this. Yeah. And afterwards, she started, decide not to get married again. She decided to study Cutting and sewing, and after she graduated from school, she started uh, work hardly. Just educating me, just eating together. She worked like terribly, and uh, that made me looking looking the society through my mother. very hard working mother. So I disguised to be a good boy for hardworking mother until I passed the uh, exam of a very famous university. I have been very good boy. Okay. After entering university, I talk to myself, maybe it's enough, and then I, I started feel like a very strange feeling. I don't want to be nothing. Uh, I want to make myself stay in moratorium condition. I want to be, I want to, I, I didn't want to be nothing because uh, from childhood, I noticed uh, life is unfair. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I have been angry for many, many things around me, even for society, even for country, I've been angry. So I, I, did, I didn't want to hit the, hit the reality after gradua- graduating the university. So uh, I, I told to my mother after graduation, can I help your shop?
2: And mm-hmm. she was still a dressmaker.
3: She, yeah, she she started as a dressmaker in, in the normal uh, cheap house, and uh, gradually she became successful. And she opened the shop. Okay. Hmm. So she had a dressmaking shop in Kabukicho. It's an amusement town of Shinjuku, very famous place for amusement. When I asked her that I don't wanna be nothing, so I I wanna help you, she didn't talk to me two weeks (laughs) but finally uh I showed her real myself then she said finally at least uh we have four or five sewing assistant so for 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 them uh you have to you have to study, at least cutting. So you have to go to dressmaking school. And I said,
2: yeah. yeah, got it.
3: I can continue to be a student. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went to Bunka Dressmaking School, a very famous school, mm-hmm. mm. moratorium condition. Yeah.
2: What was it like at Bunka? Because it's um, it's such a famous school, as you say. Yes, yes, And I think compared to some of the fashion schools or design schools in the West, the approach for teaching is really different.
3: At that moment, I mean, at that moment, I I went to Bunka. The the Bunka Dressmaking School was a sort of the, uh, young girls. Uh, uh, not real school, it like uh, uh, cl- classes for getting mar- preparation for getting marriage, uh, for our arrangement, cooking, and dressmaking, oh, right. and something like that.
2: Were there many men in the school? Very few. Okay. And was it during that period when you were studying at Bunka that you first developed or found your design voice. It's your chance to discover your creativity.
3: I didn't even know that there, there exists sort the of business called the fashion designer. Yeah. I didn't know that.
2: Yeah.
3: And when I was uh, stepping up to basic to design course. Design course, classmate taught me th- that there is a business so called fashion designer. Even that, I didn't understand. I didn't know. I didn't understand. What does it mean, fashion design? I just wanting. I was just wanting to ma- study making clothes cutting and sewing. So uh, after graduate, uh, I got a prize from school. So I was sent to Paris, about one year. Uh, Living in Paris without nothing, without doing nothing, I became like a very, very hopeless boy.
2: Hopeless in what sense?
3: Because when I studied fashion, it was uh, it was the moment of uh, the last haute couture. People, Pierre Cardin, Monsieur Pierre Cardin, Monsieur André Corrèges, uh just Monsieur Yves Saint Laurent. He started ready to wear. So, I just studied Otukuchu, not ready to wear. After graduating school, I I was sent to Paris and I found Otukuchu time is going to finish. And the new movement of ready to wear has started. When I was uh, when I was sitting in the Café du Mago and uh, writing letters to to home, home, home country to my mother, uh, it was very, very, very strong shock. By opening the revolving door of, of Café du Mago, many ready-to-wear fashionable girls came in. Kenzo. Jean Sharukastar Bajak, Sonia Ricky. I was shocked yeah. because I only studied author. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, in that that is the reason I felt I'm nothing. I I can't I can't afford it. I have no idea. I felt. So I decided to come, come back to Japan mm-hmm. and started uh, helping mother again, just taking order and uh, measurement and the cutting fabric and the fitting for many type of customers.
2: And then you were working with your mother again? Yeah. And then. You spent some time in Tokyo, and you continued to work, hmm? and then, you know, a few years later, in the early 1980s, hmm. you came back. What brought you back to Paris?
3: During helping my mother, the uh, the out- outfit, dress which ordered by. So many type of women. They were all kind of doll-like, sexy, gorgeous, feminine-like, which I didn't like too much. So, uh, during fitting, fitting on the on the customer's body, and then kneeling down on the customer's body and uh, fixing the lengths, up. I was thinking, "Oh, I won't, I want to make something kind of manish outfit for women." And gradually, this this feeling gradually came up.
2: So that's that was what became your voice eventually, the signature yeah, that yeah, I'm talking yeah, about.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: It came as a way of rejecting what you were seeing, and the women that your mother was dressing.
3: Hmm. So I was very hungry. Yeah, you're right. That moment, I was. Uh, holding my dynamite in my mind. So at at the beginning, I was uh, making money at mother's uh, dressmaking shop and putting money for ready-to-wear company, very small company. This ready-to-wear small company didn't make money at the longest three years or four years. It took time.
2: Yeah. And then how did you decide to to bring it to Paris?
3: I was looking on the wall and, well, uh, I've done enough in Japan. Maybe in Paris there are some very few number of people can find my clothes interesting might be Mm -hmm. so I wanted to uh, open a small shop in Paris so this was uh, 1980 or 1981 Mm -hmm. I came to open the shop but exactly same day of my opening shop Uh, this is Reika Wakubo she made a show in some hotel I didn't know that that she comes we have been friends, very close so one year ago I I I talked to her Reisan, let's go to Paris because uh, we are free but I was sitting in Japan. Uh, why don't you go to Paris with me? And, and she told me, no, no, my company cannot make it. It's impossible. She said, I don't go. You can go first. So, okay. And I will go, go first. Okay. But uh, finally, very coincidentally, two Japanese designer made a shop opening show. She made only show in hotel. Anyway, two designers from Japan made a show.
2: And what was the reaction? Because at the time in Paris, the contemporary fashion was very different from what from what you and Mrs. called.
3: Mr. Mr. Terry Migret Mr. Claude Montaigne they were they were they looked like kings right so mines uh, from the girls outfit is very far from their, their quality their sense of beauty so uh, <clears throat> reaction was very interesting many journalists hated us but buyers buyers are always looking for something new During the journeys, only Libération wrote excellent article for us. Only Libération. The others, they said, "Oh no, go away, yeah, go back." <clears throat> but buyers, they came to the office. Finally, they broke the elevator. Because of. The
2: they broke the elevator. Yeah. Because there were so many of them.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on, what was happening.
1: Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor, eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say, eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
2: And was there something, you know, distinctly Japanese about what you and Ms. Kawakubo brought to Paris? Was there something similar or that something that tied it together? Or was it just a, kind of a happy ac-
3: accident? Kind of, kind of similar, <coughs> kind of similar. In what way? Uh... asymmetrical, and then using many blacks, monotone, and then some of them are broken, burnt, washed, for not only European people, for Ordinary people, our creation of cloth making, looked, looked very, uh, very dirty and ugly, might be.
2: Mm. And, the, and the kind of interest in black, the use of black fabrics and black color, mm. You know, why, why is that such an important part of your process and your...
3: It, it is my private sensibility. You know, like, like in Tokyo, New York, Paris, so many uh, people from the outside uh, are walking around, uh, at metropolitan. Uh, and uh, in the city when I looked uh, so many fashions so many colors so many decorations it looked very ugly I felt at least myself should not uh make people's eyes disturbed by using horrible color. So I stay in monotone. So I, I started keep wearing black or navy blue. Not to not to disturb people. Fine. This is very, very starting. Mm. And then when i'm making when I started making clothes, I didn't use mostly sentimental colors. I didn't need color color sentiment. I just wanted to uh show people cut, or wash, or broken, or find something closes raw, or closest charm for me. Right. Not for an ordinary customer. Right. Mm. The
2: other thing. I wanted to spend some time on is thinking about fashion as a business. I mean, you said earlier that mm. your colleagues or friends that you met at Bunka, mm. some of them were the ones who told you about the world as fashion mm. design as a business. Mm. And clearly taking taking a very creative point of view, a very, you know, refined and specific type of creativity and making it work as a business is Probably one of the biggest challenges that creative people face.
3: Biggest gamble.
2: Biggest gamble. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a huge risk.
3: Yeah, huge risk.
2: I've seen it happen to young designers that I know that all of a sudden they get a lot of attention. Mm. They're in the press, the media, the buyers are coming to them. Mm. And they're not yet equipped to handle Mm. that business side, which is then you have to deliver, and then you have to, you know, ...regularly put something out.
3: Exactly. Uh, plus... ...it's quite easy to deliver. The most difficult thing is... ...gathering money. Pay me.
2: Yeah, cash flow.
3: Very, very, very hard. Yeah. In that meaning, also... ...we were lucky. Maybe, probably, I'm talking about the very important moment. Not only fashion, a music scene. There appeared Beatles, Rolling Stones. They came out. The adults and American people didn't understand. But young people, they were all... They got it. Got it, excited. And they changed the music scene totally. And... Uh, as a result, we did same thing.
2: Yeah. A few years ago, in October, of 2009 Mm. you faced some big business difficulties oh yeah um and you know this is probably a very difficult moment for you because you learned Mm. that you know you had built this very high profile business but there were some challenges with the business you know how how have things changed for you since then you you found an investor to kind of help Run and manage the business side, and now you're free?
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, One guy came to my company. Uh, He wanted to uh, pre manage management of my company. And he looked very, very attractive, (laughs) charming guy. So I decided, let him decide business. And he decided to make everything bigger. And then craft. At that moment, I felt very frankly I did enough so uh, I don't want to have chapter 11 Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to finish my career but uh, my daughter she shouted Don't finish now. We start again. My daughter made it.
2: So your daughter kept you going. She's yeah. the one who convinced you.
3: Yeah. I I told her, leave me, don't do that. Don't I did enough. I I feel even tired. So don't do that. But no, father, let me do that. So uh, finally, I, I accepted chapter eleven mm. because I, I I had to think about my company people's life. So many so many staff, assistant, many people, and uh, weaving company, uh, dying company mm. people.
2: It wasn't yeah. just about you.
3: Yeah, it was. When I started, to think about them. Oh, I had to study it again. It was a very hard moment. But as far as I made up my mind to do it again, I became, I feel like I became double st- strong.
1: Yeah.
2: There's some. Um there's a, a one really great business success story I think in your career, which presaged things that came later, and that's your, been your collaboration with Adidas.
3: Ah, oh, Adidas. Yeah.
2: Which shows that some business partnerships can be really great and really successful.
3: Yeah, very unfair and, and rare. And rare. Yeah, and rare.
2: And if you look now, what's happening in fashion and mm-hmm. the interest. Mm-hmm and the combination and the intersection between very high fashion and athletic clothing, mm, athletic, it's yeah. everywhere now. Mm. In a way, you were the pioneer because you know for a long time, those two worlds were so separate.
3: Mm, yeah.
2: Can you talk about how that Adidas collaboration oh. came about and, and what you've taken away and what you've learned from it?
3: After, after working in Paris, about uh, 20 years, I felt I became too far from the street. Yeah. I, st- I started feeling that who, who is wearing my creation? I, I, I can't find people who are wearing my outfit in the street, maybe in the museum maybe they are are simply collectors of strength in. I felt very uneasy. I felt I came too far from the street. And then I got surprised that from the United States, the the sneaker culture started. Mm. Our many businessmen uh, in the morning, they go to the company uh, wearing suit and sneaker. And some of the sneaker looks like ugly, like uh, (laughs) monster. But, I did, oh, sneaker culture. Maybe it must be interesting to work with sneaker. So, uh, from my side, directly call, make a phone call to Adidas company. Aren't you interested in collaborating with me? Then, directly, quickly, might be, must be interesting. The answer came up. So we started it 12 years ago. The, the title of the brand was uh, Sport Gorgeous. I didn't understand the meaning of sport, (laughs) gorgeous. (laughs) But anyway, we started and continued 12 years already. And uh, Y3, now is very successful.
2: Yeah. Before we finish, I wanted to ask you a few questions about fashion today, because Mm -hmm. as I mentioned at the beginning, Mm. it's a really interesting moment in fashion, Mm. because everybody seems to be questioning sure so everybody seems to be questioning questioning yes. where we've ended up
3: yeah yeah
2: yeah you know there's there's so much product there's so many designers mm. there's so many fashion shows yeah, there's yeah. so much waste
3: yeah
2: if what you know what do you think of the fashion industry the fashion system now
3: for me yeah fashion business became money business. And they look sexy and messy. And I felt I have been losing my competitor year by year.
2: In Japan, you mean? In the world. In the world. Fishery
3: clothing designer, decreasing. Only stylists, they were asked by big maison, big house, and make a show for selling accessories, not for selling their own creation the majority of business became like that and I call call it mainstream of fashion I'm not walking in the mainstream I'm walking in the side street side dark street it is quite comfortable if I joined to the mainstream, maybe I was killed. Companies
2: Would go down. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, as an industry, what do you think we should be doing to solve this problem though? Because it, it doesn't seem sustainable, to me at least, mm. to continue at this pace with this much volume of things. Mm. What's the solution? Hmm.
3: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. When I speak with young designers, I I talk them: shut your computer. Don't look at computer. Don't look at your desire, your future, your uh, favorite thing in computer. Uh, if you really want to see real thing, real beauty, you have to, you have to go there by walking and go there and touch it and smell it don't use computer otherwise you cannot get real emotion you need if if you want to create something you need real excitement emotion not uh, superficial vision so i i i, to- I talk them be blind. You can copy somebody whom you very much you like very much. You can copy it, copy it, copy it, copy it, copy it until until the end of the copy. You can find yourself. Don't look too, you know, too wide. If you if you look look the Seen too wide, you lose yourself. You'll be, you'll be lost. So uh, uh, you young people are not uh, yet uh, really having individuality or strong power. Uh, creating is making life, uh, so if you want to create something, keep resisting to the, to the mediocrity, ordinary thing, against, 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 it's a hard way, uh, it's, it's a life work. Are you ready to sacrifice yourself to, to create something? I'm asking them. Mm.
2: Mm. Thank you, Mr. Young, Thank you. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Vartan, and Eric Bria in the BOF studio team.
0: Go to shopify.com slash bof to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bof. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.